we're in a series that we've called Monsters, as you can see on the screen behind me. And we're talking about fighting enemies of our faith. Fighting enemies of our faith. And today we're going to wrap this series up. And we've talked about a couple of different uh, monsters. And just to go back and kind of recap just in a couple of minutes, if I can. In week one, we talked about the monster of pride. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't heard that message or weren't here a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the monster of pride, and we, we talked about how, how pride can keep us from growing. Pride keeps you from growing. If you have pride in your life, it keeps you from growing. The, the reason it keeps you from growing is because if you're so prideful in your life, and you don't think that you have any problems, or you're so prideful that you don't want to share your problems or what you're going through with other people, it keeps you from getting the help that you need. And we even, we even talked about a scripture in James where it says that you need to confess things one to another so that you can pray for each other and be healed. And you confess your sin to God for forgiveness, but then we confess things to each other. We talk about what's going on in our lives together so we can pray for each other, encourage each other, and we can find healing in our lives. And so many of us, were walking around in bondage because we're trying to pretend like everything's okay, even when everything's not okay. And we're not getting in a group because if we get in a group, then we might have to open up or we might feel, you know, compelled to share our story or some, we might meet somebody, you know, God forbid, we might meet somebody that wants to be a friend and wants to encourage us and we're just nervous about it. And so we don't get in a group and it keeps us from growing. It keeps us from finding freedom. And then we said the second thing was that pride can keep us from serving. That sometimes we say, well, I'm just not called to do that. But we're talking about serving. And Jesus set the example for serving, he said, I came to serve, not to be served. This we're talking about Jesus. I came to serve and not to be served. Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come to, to just sit and consume everything. I came to, to serve other people and show what the kingdom of God looks like and show what my father looks like. And so we talked about serving, and we also talked about how pride can keep us from salvation, that so many times we're in an environment like this or we're at church or we're at an event or something and we feel the Holy Spirit and 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 tugging tugging at our heart and we feel like, man, I'm supposed to give my life to Jesus. I'm supposed to do something right now, but we allow pride to keep us from doing it because we don't want to raise our hand or we don't, you know, whatever was going on in that setting. I don't want people to know that, you know, they think that I've been following Jesus, but I really haven't been following Jesus or I haven't given God every part of me and, and pride creeps in and it keeps us from doing what God wants us to do and offering our lives to him 100%. And then we also talked about how we can destroy pride in our lives and its obedience. You can't obey and have pride. Because when God asks you to do something, you're either going to, pride's going to rise up, and you're not going to do it because of pride. But when you just step out and you obey, then you destroy pride in your life. When you just say, when you just say, even sitting here right now, maybe God's not asking you to do something right now, but if you just say right now, you know what, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to obey whatever you tell me to do, and just up front, God, my answer is yes. Whatever you say, my answer is yes, and it destroys pride in our lives. And then last week, we talked about the monster of fear. Anybody fearful? Nobody's fearful. Boy, y'all are just holy and spiritual. And We talked about the monster of fear, and we said that fear can cause us to compromise our faith. And the way that it does that is we get fearful around certain people or we're fearful of, of, of doing what God tells us to do. And so we compromise. And we even sometimes try to fit Jesus into this box that we talked about this last week that culture approves of. Well, 
you know, it's been 2,000 years, so maybe that's okay now. It's been 2,000, you know, times have changed, and so maybe, you know, what God said then isn't really relevant for today. And so we can kind of change it, and we can kind of tweak it, and we can kind of do our own version of what God said. And I believe that's not the case. And we're trying to fit God into this box that culture will approve of because times have changed, but I don't think God has changed. <laughs> times are changing, but God is not changing. Now, we've adapted, you know, you walk into, you walk into church service, you walk into here, like we've, we've adapted <laughs> to the technology that is available in 2018 to reach people for Jesus, but the message is still the same. God didn't change the message that Jesus is the only way to the Father, He's the only way for you to, to get to heaven. The only way for you to experience salvation in your life is through what Jesus did for you. The message is still the same, but the methods might have changed. But sometimes we try to put Jesus into a box, and we try to put the message into a box that other people will approve of and that will maybe make us look like we're not as weird because we don't want to look different around the people that we hang out with or at work. And We talked about how we can overcome fear, and it's simply trusting God. Trusting God. How do you overcome fear? You just say, I'm going to trust God. When, I, when, I, when fear starts to rise up in me, I'm going to trust God. No, I'm not going to let fear overtake my life in this situation or in this area or in this season. I'm going to trust God. God has still got me in the palm of his hand. Nothing has changed. I'm still his child. <laughs> I'm still his son, I'm still his daughter, and I'm going to trust God through this situation no matter what it looks like. And today, as we wrap all of this up, I want to talk to you about another type of monster that you might not have thought about before, but we're going to talk about it today. And so the title of the message, if you're taking notes, is The Monster of Inaction. The Monster of Inaction. We've talked about pride, we've talked about fear. Today I want to talk about inaction because in the first two weeks of the series, we focused on things that we do that corrupts our faith. We've talked about things that fear causes us to do, that pride causes us to do, that corrupts our faith. Today, I want to talk about the things that we don't do that corrupt our faith in the monster of inaction. So it's going to be a little bit different coming from a different angle today, but I believe God's going to speak to you. If you're ready for him to speak to you, somebody say amen. Now, I want to get us started with a question. Have you ever met someone before who was a follower of Jesus and they could tell you everything that you weren't supposed to do? <laughs> you met somebody and, and when you met them it was like, you, like, okay, I know exactly what I'm not supposed to do. You have, you have laid it out for me. <laughs> you, have, you have, you know, dug into my life and you're telling me everything. But sometimes we meet these people that they're following, and it's not that they're not saved, it's not that they're not following Jesus, but they can just tell you everything that you're not supposed to do. Come on, I'm talking about somebody who's got the Ten Commandments memorized, you know. You realize what you did, you broke one of the Ten Commandments. Well, did you rest one day this week? Because you did too if you didn't. <laughs> did y'all know that's in the Bible, one of the Ten Commandments? You need a Sabbath, you need a day of rest. And I don't understand why it is, I heard a, a pastor say it this time once, he said, I don't know why we're so worried about, like, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't do all this stuff. And we believe nine out of the Ten Commandments. But we don't practice one. <laughs> we don't rest. We don't rest. Maybe we need a message just on rest. 
just on how God has called us to rest. Because sometimes we're just going 24-7, and, and, and Sunday comes around again, and it's like, whoo, going to church again. And, oh, we got to get out. As soon as we get home from church, we got to get out there and do this. We got to build this. And God, oh, man, Monday, I got to take off work on Monday because I got to get this done. And Saturday's coming around, and whew, I wish I could just sit down and relax, but I can't sit down and relax because I got to build that fence and got to get out there and fix that and got to mow the yard and all this. And we never take a day and rest. Have you read the beginning of your Bible? <laughs> That God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. I think God was setting an example that we need a day where we need to rest. I don't know why I'm off on that. Maybe somebody needed to hear that. That is not in my notes. That is free for you today. For those of you that know all the Ten Commandments, you need to obey them all, not just nine. <laughs> I love y'all because y'all just... I can say anything to y'all, and y'all are just like, oh, we just, <laughs> we just love our church. <laughs> just keeping it real, <laughs> right? Y'all are awesome, man. Y'all are the best people on the planet, I swear. But we're talking about people that can point out someone who is doing something wrong or something that's in your life. They can tell you what you're not supposed to do. But I want to submit to you today that there's a monster in some of our lives that is a sneaky monster. Come on, somebody say sneaky monster. And it's the monster of inaction. See, we've dealt with pride and we've dealt with fear. It's like, yeah, I got some pride. Yeah, I got some fear. Do you have some inaction in your life? Has this monster of inaction kind of crept in to your life? And we're going to find out here in just a moment. And God's going to speak to you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you through what I'm about to to share with you what he gave me to share with you. But I was reading this last week and just preparing and, and bringing all this together for to present to you today. And I found this story and there was a pizza driver, pizza delivery driver who got fired. And, you know, he's driving all over the place and they call him in one day and, he's, and they tell him, we got to let you go, firing you. And he's just beside himself. And he goes home and I don't know why they fired me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand why they fired me. So he gets up the next day, you know, and he, you know how we do sometimes when we get upset and we get angry and we're like, you know, we've just thought about it all night long. And he gets up the next morning and he's like, I'm going in there and I'm going to find out why I was fired because this is not right. Come on, somebody. Bless God. I am the best pizza delivery driver on planet Earth and they don't need to fire me. So he goes in to his boss. He says, I don't understand why you fired. I've never gotten a ticket. I don't speed. I don't understand what the problem is. And his boss looks at him and says, the reason we fired you is because you never delivered any pizzas. <laughs> Some of y'all get that on the way home today. <laughs> I'm not, I don't speed. I'm not breaking the rules. I'm not doing anything wrong. But we had to let you go because you weren't delivering any pizza. We hired you to deliver pizza. And you've been following the rules. And you weren't speeding. And you've never gotten a ticket. You've been doing everything you thought you were supposed to be doing, but you haven't been doing the one thing that we pay you to do. So we had to fire you. We had to let you go. We could say it this way, tying this all together before we get into uh, a little bit of Scripture today. You can write this down. Following God's rules doesn't take away the responsibility that he has given us. 
So some of us have gotten really good at following the rules. Well, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't do all that. Well, that's all, great. That's great. But it doesn't take away the responsibility that God has given you to do. It doesn't take away your calling. It doesn't take away your purpose. It doesn't take away that God has something for you to do for the kingdom. So we're getting good at following the rules, but following God's rules doesn't take away the responsibility that he has given us. In fact, here's the big idea for today's message. If you want to know where we're going and how we're going to bring all this together, it's that sometimes we can be so focused on what we shouldn't be doing that we completely miss what we should be doing. We get so focused on what we shouldn't be doing and we forget and we completely miss what we should be doing. And we all have a tendency to do this. And I like to call this religion. And y'all don't throw stones at me. But religion doesn't save you. And religion doesn't do anything in your life. Relationship does something in your life. And with relationship, think about all the relationships in your life. It involves some action. The relationship involves you doing something. And we get really good at following the rules. And, <laughs> and I think we get so good at following the rules a lot of times. And well, we shouldn't do this. And we shouldn't do that. And don't do this. And don't do that. And whoo, look at me. I'm being a good Christian and I'm following all the rules, but at the same time, are you doing anything for Jesus? Are you doing anything for the kingdom? Are you asking God on a daily basis, God, what do you have for me to do today? Or do you wake up just saying, well, whew, not going to cheat today, not going to lie today, not going to steal today, not going to, and those are all great things. I'm not telling you those are bad things. I'm telling you, we get so focused on that that a lot of times we miss what God wants us to do. We miss what, what God is calling us to do today. What God is calling us to do as a church. What God is calling us to do as individuals, as a part of this church, on, on your job site. All the things that God is calling you to do, we miss it so many times because we're so focused on the things that we should not be doing. And I want to show you a passage of scripture in the Word of God, this is in Matthew, something that Matthew wrote down. And I want to read in chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 31 and read uh, some verses here. And then we're going to talk about it and, and do what we've been doing in this series. Talk about what inaction does in our lives and how we can fight it. How we can, how we can destroy inaction in our lives. So let's start in verse 31. It says, The Son of Man will come again with divine greatness, and all his angels will come with him. He will sit as king on his great and glorious throne. All the people of the world will be gathered before him. Then he will separate everyone into two groups. It will be like a shepherd separating his sheep from his goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the godly people on his right, Come, my father has great blessings for you. The kingdom he promised is now yours. It has been prepared for you since the world was made. It is yours because when I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you welcomed me into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the godly people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and welcome you into our home? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer, the truth is, anything you did for any of my people here, you also did for me. 
Then the king will say to the evil people on his left, Get away from me. God has already decided that you will be punished. Go into the fire that burns forever, the fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Can I just tell you right here, a little side note, hell was not prepared for you. And God, I want to talk about this for just a moment. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Can I talk about this for a minute? God gives everybody a choice and free will. And sometimes we, we say things like, well, I can't, you know, how can we serve a good God? How can God be good when he's sending people to hell? God's not sending people to hell. You have a choice. There's heaven and there's hell, and it's all based on, here's the great news. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> this is all you have to do. Receive what Jesus did for you. Receive what, see, we make it way more complicated than it actually is. Receive what Jesus did for you. Jesus died on the cross, took all of your sin, all of your shame, everything on himself, died for you. God raised him from the dead on the third day so that you can have life. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I just give you my life. I receive your forgiveness. I give you my life. My life is yours. And guess what? Hey, decision made. Decision made. God doesn't send anybody to hell. It, it just it bothers me when I hear people saying that, well, I just can't, I don't understand why God, how God can send people to hell. God's not sending anybody to hell. Hell was not created. We just read it right there. It is a place that was prepared for the devil and the people that are with the devil. I don't have time to get into all that. I don't. I got to get back on. I only got 19 minutes, y'all. I don't have time to get into all that, but God is not sending people to hell. You have a choice in the matter. And hell was not created for you. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's the place where they're going. And we get to choose not to go there by receiving what Jesus did for us. That's good news. I don't know if you feel like that's good news, but that's good news. I just had to throw that in there because sometimes that bothers me. We view God as somebody who's sending people to hell, and I don't think he's sending anybody to hell. Verse 42, you must go away because when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I had no place to stay, you did not welcome me into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me nothing to wear. When I was sick and in prison, you did not care for me. Then those people will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you without a place to stay? <laughs> They're pleading their case right now like, when? <laughs> like, when? You're telling me like we saw you hungry. No, we didn't. Never saw you. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you hurting? When did we see you with no clothes? Like, when did we see all of these things and not do anything for you? When? We didn't see it. Verse 45. The king will answer, the truth is, anything you refused to do for any of my people here, you refused to do for me. Then these evil people will go away to be punished forever, but the godly people will go and enjoy eternal life. Whew. That's some heavy stuff right there. <laughs> Jesus is making the point that what you do for people on earth, you're doing for him. So when you take care of people, you're doing that for the Lord. When you feed somebody, you're doing that for the Lord. Can I just tell you a story? I'm telling you this story, it gave me chills when I heard this story. 
there was somebody in our church that was driving, uh, driving down the road here in town, and they saw a guy on the side of the road, and he had a sign. And he was needing food and just needed some help. And, and uh, they ended up finding out his story. I won't tell you all of his story, but they ended up finding out his story. And, and this person was driving by, and they just felt like, man, I'm supposed to pray. What am I supposed to do for this person? I just need to pray. God, what do you want me to do? So they pull in to the closest restaurant right there, and they buy some food and walk it over to the guy. And they start talking to him, telling him about, about our church and, and uh, that God loves him. And, and he, he said, hey, pull back my hood. He had a hood on. And he had a hat on underneath that hood, and he, and, and this person was like, okay, and pulled his hood back, and he had an Impact hat on, an Impact Church hat on. I don't know which one he was wearing, but he had an Impact Church hat on. And he said, you are the fourth person from Impact Church that has stopped to help me or to give me something. He said... Man, somebody stopped and gave me their hat. You know, hey, you want this hat? Somebody stopped and gave me a a bag that had just some stuff in it. Somebody went and bought groceries and gave it to me. This person goes over here to the restaurant and brings me food right on the spot. Said, you are the fourth person. I don't know how long it was. I don't think it was more than a week, maybe two weeks. But you were the fourth person that has stopped by to see how I'm doing, to pray for me, talk to me about church, gave me something to eat or something to wear or something like that. And I thought, thank God. That we are getting it. (laughs) That it is not all about coming to church on Sunday. That what we do here is awesome and it's great. And we're going to give you the word of God. And we're going to try to build you up and encourage you as you go into your week. But man, when you go into the week, I just said, thank God that we have people in our church that have got it. That they're going through the week on a Tuesday stopping to help somebody. That when they see somebody, their initial thought is to pray, God, what do you want me to do for this person? Instead of just passing on by. I thought, man, I hope that 100% of our church gets it. That it's not all about Sunday. That Sunday's a celebration of everything that God's been doing all week long in your life and in my life and what we've been doing in other people's lives. Come on out serving yesterday in the Save-A-Lot parking lot, giving out lunches for free. It was between 300 and 400 lunches that were given away in like two hours. I don't even know if it was two hours. It's like an hour and a half. And it was gone. Just blessing people. That's being the church. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's about being there for the people outside of the walls. It's not all about getting together in here. We're going to get together in here, and we're going to have worship. We're going to worship God, and we're going to get the word, and and we're going to charge you up and encourage you as you go into your week. But, man, that we would be the church like that all the time, Monday through Saturday. And even on, whoo, get this, even on Sunday afternoon, (laughs) on your way home to watch football, that you would stop and help somebody, or that that God would put something on your heart for you to do. On Monday, for somebody you've been thinking about or you've been praying about, that's what being the church is. So, just like we've been doing in this series, I want to take the next few moments and show you kind of what inaction can cause in our lives and then show you one practical way that you can fight inaction, this monster of inaction in your life. So here's the first thing that inaction can cause. Inaction can cause regret. Inaction can cause regret. You ever felt like you were supposed to do something, didn't do it, and then you went back to do it, and that person wasn't there? <laughs> and I know we've said it a few times. I heard this quote uh, a while back that 
the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. If God's putting something on your heart to do now, chances are there's a reason why he's put it on your heart to do now, and you don't need to wait to do it tomorrow. And I know I've done this in my life. You think, man, I need to, ah, uh, okay, yeah, all right. After we have a five-minute argument with God over helping somebody, <laughs> then we go back and we're like, well, I'll give him a ride, or, well, I'll go buy him some food or something like that, and then you go back and they're not there, and then you have regret. Man, I wish I'd have just done it. Like, I don't know what God was going to do in their life. I could have invited them to church, said you could sit by me. I could have, you know, offered them that and just said, hey, can I pray for you or something like that. And it causes regret in our lives. I was, this last week I came across this story of a girl who, who had leukemia. And one of the things on her bucket list was that she wanted to be able to operate a stun gun. I don't know if that's on your bucket list or not. <laughs> But that's what she wanted. And so there was a police officer who offered to allow her to use a stun gun on him. And this story was this police officer wanted to do something for her that she had on her bucket list before, you know, because it was getting worse and, and she wasn't going to live much longer. And so he offered up a stun gun and allowed her to shoot him with a stun gun. Now, I know that's kind of funny, but what a, what a story at the same time. That somebody would care enough about somebody else to be willing to do something like that because that's what they wanted. That's what, they, that's what their desire was. That was something that they had a desire for in their heart. And I know it's something, it's something simple and it's something that <laughs> so we can look at that and be like, well, that's stupid. But it's the point behind it that somebody was willing. Come on, are you willing? Are you willing to do something on a regular basis for somebody else? Because I'm afraid that, that we're fighting off what God is telling us to do enough. Come on, I, I, I see Derek and Ashlyn down here, and i got to tell you this story. They started an iGroup, and we have 12 iGroups going on right now. If you're not in a group, you need to be in a group. 12 different choices. I mean, there's men-specific, women-specific, Bible study-specific, activity-specific. They're leading one that's called Paint the City, and I know there's a lot of people that are a part of this, and I think you guys are meeting tonight, right? And they just do random acts of kindness in our city. Just random, just random things that can be a blessing to other people. Man, I pray that we would get that. <laughs> that we would grab a hold of the fact that it's not about me. That it's about, it's about what God wants to do through me. And that we would be a blessing to other people. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. You know, not random act of kindness month, like random act of kindness life. <laughs> Like, well, we did serve day in July. That was awesome. What about serve day in October? <laughs> what about serving somebody a meal? What about giving somebody a care package on a Friday while you're driving through town? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what, I think that's what God has called us to do as a church. But inaction can cause regret. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody who was in their last moments of life, their last days of life. That, that had some regret. You know, and one thing, we were in a situation this last week that really made me think whew, about my schedule and about what, how I'm doing things and all these different things because we were in this situation. I thought, man, when it's my last days, I can promise you I'm not going to be thinking about all the stuff that I did and how awesome this was and how awesome that was. It's going to be a moment of 
did I spend enough time with my family? Do my kids want to be around me at the very end of my life? Do I heard a pastor say it this way one time. He said that they had, they had uh, between him and his wife, he said, we had one rule. We wanted to raise our kids so that when they didn't have to come home, they would want to. Whew, that got all over me. <laughs> that, we're do, that we're raising our kids in love. Now, I'm not telling you you don't get on to your kids. We get on to our kids, I promise you. <laughs> but that you're doing it with a heart, that you're trying to get their heart. The reason I'm telling you this, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm disciplining you is because I want your heart. And God wants your heart. And I'm teaching you as a parent what it's going to be like to obey God when you get older. And when God tries to correct you, you won't run the opposite way because you were never corrected as a kid. But you'll understand that, hey, when somebody's trying to correct me, it's because they love me. And then you start viewing God. Then your kids grow up and they view God as somebody who loves them even when he tells them no. Or even when he tries to correct them for something that they should have done differently or shouldn't have done or what would have been a better decision. That's, that's what he was getting at. But I got to thinking, I've, I've talked to some people that were in there, and nobody's talking about work. They're just not. It's, it's, it's always, I either, I regret, if anybody has any regrets, it's I regret not walking in my calling. I regret not spending more time with my kids. I regret not loving my spouse better. I regret not obeying God in that situation or when God just told me to do something simple like stop and give somebody something or, or give somebody $20 because they may not have $20 and they're hungry. Or those are the things that I believe we're going to be thinking about when our life is nearing an end because those are the things that matter eternally. We're not going to be thinking about all the other stuff. And in action... Can, re- can cause regret. Even in the story from the Bible that we just read a few minutes ago, there was regret by the ones who didn't do what God had commanded them to do. Like, man, taking care of people, and, and man, when you take care of that child, you, you are doing that for God. You are doing that for Jesus. That's what he's saying. You're not doing it. I, I love in Colossians, I don't know if you've read this or not, maybe you've heard it before, but it says work like you're working for God, not for people. Do it to the best of your ability. Like figure out what God wants you to do and do it to the best of your ability because you're working for God. You're doing what God has called you to do. You're living the life that God has called you to live. You're not working for people. Do it like you're working for God because when you do it like you're working for God, then you'll do it to the best of your ability. You ever notice that? When you do it because somebody tells you that you have to do it, you're like, ah, just throw it over there. I don't really care. What's wrong? He's at it again, you know, bossing us around like he's the boss. But But when you look at it, get this, when you look at it as an opportunity, like I don't have to do this, I get to do this. Like, this is something that God has allowed me to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because I'm going to live the best life that I possibly can and do everything that God tells me to do. They had regret. They're pleading their case. God, when did we see you and not do all these things? God said, you didn't do it for the people around you. You didn't do it for the people around you. I wonder sometimes if when we get to heaven, and I don't know this, but I wonder if when we get to heaven one day, we'll realize all that we could have done. 
that we think right now we're doing a lot. Like, who has a church? We're doing a lot. We're growing, reaching people. Salvations, I think right now, for just this year alone, we're around, I think it's 27 people have given their life to Jesus just in the first, you know, nine and a half months of this year, which is incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> it's awesome. But man, I just wonder if we're going to get to heaven and, and look around and be like, whoo, it was so much bigger <laughs> than what I was thinking when I was <laughs> down there on earth. And I could have done this. And I could have done that. And if I'd have quit worrying about this, then I could have reached them. And man, what if I'd have, what if I'd have talked to more people? What if I'd have shared with more people? What if I'd invited more people to church? What if I'd have, what if I'd have done everything to the best of my ability so that when people saw me working as unto the Lord and not to man, and they saw how good of a job I was doing, they were thinking, man, this guy's doing such a great job. Why are you doing such a great job? He works hard at everything he does. That's what they said about Jesus. He's done everything well. They're like, man, I don't know about this guy. Like, he just does everything well. Can you say that, that you do everything well? I don't mean it. I don't think it means you being perfect. I think it means you doing the best that you can with what God has given you to do. So the job that God has given you to do, you do it to the best of your ability. The family that God has put you in, you love them to the best of your ability. I think that's what he's talking about. Sometimes we're more concerned with our jobs and our busy lives while God is more concerned about people. We're more concerned about being successful when I think God sometimes is trying to remind us, I love people. I love people. What are you doing for people? What are you doing to reach people? What are you doing to lead people to me? What are you, Man, I, hope, I, I pray that, that every message I ever preach in this church for the next however many years that I'm alive <laughs> that it would be something that points people to Jesus because if we're not pointing people to Jesus then we're pointing them in the wrong direction because Jesus is where it's at Jesus is the only one that can save them that can fix their problems that can that can lead them that can comfort them that can do what they need in their life so inaction can cause regret here's the second thing inaction can cause death and I don't mean physical death. I mean death spiritually. And sometimes we're wondering why we don't feel like doing anything for God anymore. And I think it's because we haven't done anything for God in so long that it's caused us to grow spiritually dead. And we're still saved and we're still on our way to heaven, but we're not accomplishing anything for the kingdom because we're spiritually dead. And this is what inaction will do. I think about this example, I've shared this before, but I think about the, the example of water flowing into one area. When water flows into an area and never flows out, it gets nasty. Go home and put some water in a cup and cover it up with a lid and let it sit there for the next month and then go drink it. Well, it's just water. No, <laughs> it's not just water anymore. Now it's nasty. Now there's stuff growing in the bottom of the cup. You're like, I don't even know what that is, but something's swimming around in there now. <laughs> it gets nasty when it just sits still and it's not pouring out. And we said, and I'm trying to remind you at the end of the year a lot, what God said about this year and what God said about our church and what God said to you and your life, because the year's not over. See, here's our tendency, and this is mine too. It's October, middle of October, getting toward the end of October. We're already thinking about 2019. Oh, we're going to do in January. 
God still wants to do something in 2018. God still wants to do something. There are five, nine, ten Sundays, ten weeks still left in this year. And in those ten weeks, God wants to do something through your life. He does. And we said at the beginning of this year, God was speaking to our church. This is a year of overflow. Are you allowing what God is pouring into you to overflow into other people's lives? Here's the great news. You still got time. And here's even better news. Whenever it turns to 2019, God's promise doesn't end. <laughs> so we don't leave the year of overflow and be like, whoo, now I don't have to overflow. <laughs> Some of y'all are ready for 2019 so we can get to a different word. <laughs> it doesn't leave. The promise doesn't leave. The calling doesn't leave. He still wants your life to overflow. Now God's already been speaking to me about what he wants to speak to us in 2019. And I'm excited about it. That's why I'm smiling right now. <laughs> but you're going to get that in 11 weeks. Not right now. But God wants to do something with the rest of 2018. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen through you and through me. But inaction can cause us to spiritually die. How do we fight back? If inaction can leave us with regret, can leave us in a place where now we're stagnant, now we're nasty, now we're complaining about things that we never used to complain about, I would submit to you that it's probably because you're not allowing what God is putting in you to flow out of you. And when that happens, you start thinking about things that you never used to think about. Start griping about things you never used to gripe about. Start noticing things you never used to notice. Because you're sitting there, and it's getting stagnant and nasty. But how do we fight back against the monster of inaction? I want to give you one thing, like I've done every single week. This one is four words. Are you ready? This is. Some of y'all are going to read this and think, really? This is powerful. This is powerful. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a game changer in your life. And if you don't think so, try, I dare you, I dare you to try it for a year and come back to me and, and tell me that you're not more joyful, that you don't have more joy in your life, that you're not happier, that you're not doing more for God than you've ever done before. Here it is, right here. Get on a team. How do you fight inaction? Get on a team. Get on a team. There are teams all over this place. <laughs> get on a team. And I'm telling you, get on a team for a year. And come back to me next fall and tell me, man, I am not any more fulfilled in my life doing things for other people. I just, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. No, what I, what I, what I would submit to you, what I think you'll come back and say, is I've never been more fulfilled in my life than when I started doing things for other people. When I started serving God by serving people, I, my joy came back. I became more generous. My eyes were open to even see people throughout the week that I might could do something for. You know why? 
because this is how God created you. This is how he created you. Not to be a consumer, but to be a contributor. That's one of our values as a church. We will not be consumers. We will be contributors. Too many times we consume, we consume, we consume, we consume, and we never do anything with what we have consumed, and so it starts to get nasty in our lives. And we start to think, well, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm doing all this stuff. Are you on a team? Are you on a team? I'm trying not to yell at you. <laughs> so I'm lowering my voice and bending over like this because <laughs> like, don't yell. Get on a team. Get on a team. And I want to tell you this, and I'm going to bring the worship team back up. And we're going to wrap it up today. At Impact Central today, which is in the lobby, you have, see, some of you thought, <laughs> some of you when I said get on a team, you're like, well, I'll pray about that. Well, we're going to give you the opportunity to act today. Isn't that awesome? No time like the present to turn your inaction into action. So I would encourage you. There are some of you here that are serving on a team, but you know you could do more. And so you, you're serving on a team, but it's to say that you're serving on a team. And you know, man, I could, I could give more somewhere else. I could give more over here. I could do a little bit more there. I could, I could take what I am doing and I could do it better. I could do it, you know, to the best of my ability. There's some of us in here that are like that. And I encourage you, if there's another team that you feel like, man, I could, I could, yeah, I could, I could serve on that team right there. I know I'm serving on this team and it's like once a month or once every six weeks. Not that really, I could give more. I could give more. I could do more for the kingdom. So I want to serve on that team too. I'm going to serve on two teams. Then there are some of us here today that you're not serving on a team yet. And there's no condemnation for you not serving on a team. I'm just telling you, serving on a team is for you. Serving on a team is for you. Salvation is for you. Groups are for you. Serving on a team is for you. Discovering your purpose is for you. Everything that we do as a church is for you. It's not selfish. It's because God has set us up in a way that if we do these certain things, then we can get life to the fullest and we feel fulfilled and joy comes back. And I'm telling you, getting on a team is one of those things. You don't, let me tell you, you don't know anybody in the church yet? Get on a team. Get on a team. You want to know one of the best teams to meet people? Set up. And some of you are like, well, didn't you just say 630? <laughs> Yeah, I did. But one of the best opportunities that you'll have to fellowship with people and cut up and laugh and, and, and have a really good time is on setup. You know another great team where we really need some people right now? And, and I'm not ashamed to say that. We need some people. Our church is growing. And we cannot go to the next level as a church without everybody playing their part without everybody getting on the team. You know one of the you know one of the teams probably the team that we need the most volunteers in added to is i kids. And some of you are like, "I ain't working no kids." Here's what I would say if you said that as soon as I said i kids, won't you pray about it? Won't you pray about it? Why don't you ask the Lord if he wants you to love on kids and teach kids and be there for kids once a month. 
So I'm telling you, God has bigger things in store. You don't even know yet, yet. You don't even know the vision that I feel like God is giving us for this church and for this next year. But everybody's got to do their part. Because God has brought you here not to just consume. And we're going to try to give you the word and we're going to try to give you stuff that can take you into your week. But God has called you and he has put you here so that you can be a part of what God is doing here. And so I'm encouraging you. When I walk out there, I know this is going to happen. When I walk out there, there's going to be 25 people signed up for iKids. Some of y'all are serving on another team right now. And you're going to walk out there and be like, yeah, I can give one service a month to serve kids. To serve kids. Some of you that aren't on a team right now, you're going to say, yeah, I can give one service a month. Guess what? We have two. You don't have to miss church. You can serve at 930 and attend at 1115. Or you can serve at 1115 and attend at 930. Whatever, whatever your preference is, however that scheduling ends up working out, you don't have to miss anything. And some of you are going to say, yeah, I can go over there and I can sign up and I can serve one service a month and serve kids. You know what Jesus did when he was on the, on the earth, walking the earth, walking in our shoes? He loved on kids. And the disciples tried to like, whoa, 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 now. Let's get these kids, you know. We got some, we're having church, y'all. Let's get these kids over here, you know. And Jesus said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let the kids come to me. They get in his lap. He's loving on them, teaching them. God cares about kids. God cares about kids. And I'm challenging you. Get on a team. Get on a team. And it's not, God wants to do so much more through our church. But even more than that, God wants to do something in you. That can only happen when you're serving and when you're on a team. And I'm telling you, there is no better place than to go over there one service a month and offer your service to kids to kids who we are trying to instill a godly foundation in so that when they get older they will not depart from it and when they get older they'll begin to serve come on we have some fifth graders sixth graders seventh graders eighth graders that are serving in our church i don't know if you know that they're serving so i'm challenging you if you're on a team and you realize man i can do more i can do more i can do more sign up sign up for another team Get on another team. And I'm challenging you. (laughs) I don't want to work with kids. Ask the Lord if he wants you to serve kids. Will you do that? I'm not telling you to do anything that I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to ask God. Ask God. God, do you want me to serve the kids? Do you want me to serve the kids? And then the next thing after you ask him is obey. 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 Amen. Amen. God, we thank you. Will you stand to your feet? I want to bring our prayer team down. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in our hearts, in our church. God, we believe that this is only the beginning, that we have not even scratched the surface of what you want to do in our city, what you want to do in this church, what you want to do through our lives. God, I pray that you would... You would do something on the inside of us right now, God, that we would, that every single person in this room under the sound of my voice would say, you know what? I need to get on the team. I need to get on the team. I need to start serving God by serving people. I need to start serving God by serving kids. I need to start serving God by shaking hands. I need to start serving God by using my gifts and talents. I need to start serving God in that way. God, I thank you that you're doing something right now in this moment right now in this moment we're going to sing one final song 
And I want to encourage you during this song, when we begin to sing this song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we invite you to come for prayer. We have people down here at the front that would love to pray for you. You don't have to be ashamed. Everybody needs prayer at times. You don't have to be ashamed or too prideful to come for prayer. We, it's an honor to be able to pray with you guys and, and believe with you and encourage you every single week. If you need prayer for anything in your life, when we begin to sing this song, you're welcome to just step out of your seat and come for prayer. And if that's not you, I encourage you to do two things. Let's worship God and let's obey. Let's worship God and ask him, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Amen. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would draw every person who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.